The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's www.adworks.com slash Always asking others to get involved. If it's just being on one committee, I say, go, go get on a committee. Go hang out. Go, go hang out with another realtor you don't even know, and you'll learn something. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Risser of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Today on episode 77 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast, I'm glad I finally got this guy on the show. It's Eric Gibbs from Coldwell Banker Residential in Tucson, Arizona. And I first met Eric at the NAR conference in San Diego a little over a year ago. And I'd heard about him. I knew about him. And we shared a beverage that night, got to know him a little bit. And since then, I've seen him many more times around the state. And I'm really excited to kind of get his story here on the sessions. And so, Eric, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me, Bill. I'm, I'm glad to be here today. Now, I know you're, uh, you're kind of a big deal in Tucson. We're going to talk about that in a little while. But I don't think you're a native. You've been there a long time, but is Tucson's not your hometown, is it? No, it's not. Uh, I actually came to Tucson back in uh, January of, of eight, 1989 um, as a Navy recruiter. And um, once getting here to Tucson, um, I fell in love with the, with the community right away. I pretty much knew this was going to be home for me. So... Um, uh, that and that's where it all began. You know, I've uh, been here since then, and uh, uh, I left the Navy, met my wife here, and uh, raised a family here, and and I love this community. So that's that's how I got here was by the Navy. Nice. Now, so where did you grow up then? Where did you spend your childhood years and all of that? I grew up in um, the San Fernando Valley, uh, California, outside of L.A. I uh, went to uh, I lived in. Uh, a place called Lakeview Terrace, um, which was um, uh, out by Handsome Dam. I went to um, uh, junior high school in Granada Hills. It was called Porter Junior High School. And then I went to Kennedy, John F. Kennedy High in Granada Hills. And so that's where I spent most of my uh, growing up days was there. Um, and then once I graduated from high school, I went directly to the Navy. So, yeah, someone who grows up in the Valley, up in uh, L.A., and if you don't know the Valley, if you're not from L.A., t- talk about the sheer size of what you're talking about. Because <laughs> I, I grew up in San Diego, and I had made many road trips up there, but it just goes on and on and on. Am I right? Yes. The Valley is, you know, we talk about the San Fernando Valley. You have to kind of, if, if you could stand on top of Mon- up on Mount Holland, or, or I think it's called Mount Holland, yeah. um, if I don't say it correctly, but if you there's a, a view spot there, if you looked out to the valley, you, it would go. You're right for miles and miles and miles. It's just a huge valley, you know, with so many different you know communities and cities and and just huge. And so um, um, I've I mean I I pretty much was raised there, so I watch it grow up. You know, I watch it grow. And um, you know, I was there for the the 1971 earthquake. 
Um, I was there for the potential flooding when the, the dam cracked. I mean, I was I was there for those, some of those those milestones there. But the valley is just a huge place, you know, outside of Los Angeles. Yes. Well, that's 71 earthquake brings back memories because I was I'm, I think I'm a little older than you. I was 10 years old when that happened, and I I felt that in San Diego. That was such a big quake, right? I mean, that had to be terrifying. <laughs> you know, Bill, I think you and I were probably, probably close in age because I was in the sixth grade when that earthquake happened. Okay. Um, yeah, I was in the sixth grade. Uh, I mean, I remember the day it happened. I, was, man, I will never forget that morning, right? The shaking and the rocking and everything. So yeah, that takes back takes back some memories there. Yeah. Well, I, you mentioned you went from high school straight into the Navy, and and I love talking to servicemen about what they did and uh, how it went for you. So give me that little kind of that um, that little timeline. First of all, where did you do your 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 boot camp and your A school? Was that did you fortunate enough to stay in San Diego for that? Was because NTC was around then. That's correct. NTC was around then, and that's exactly where I went to. Uh, I went to um, uh, boot camp in San Diego. Um, I, I want to kind of back up just a little bit on that sure. Navy thing. I wanted just to say that uh, I had always wanted to be wanted to go in the Navy since I was a little since I was young. I'll say 12, 13. Um, I used to have posters around my bedroom wall with nothing but Navy ships, the Fram destroyers and pictures of sailors and things like that because it was my dream to go to the Navy. So when I got the opportunity to go, I was ready and nothing was about, nothing was going to stop me. Wow. So I did my time at San Diego um, in the summertime. It was a, a, a new experience and was one about really growing up pretty quickly. At seven, I was only 17 years of age and away from home. So it, it, it was something new, you know, but it, it's what I wanted. I remember telling my um, drill sergeant or my company commander that I know that I wanted to be in the Navy for 20 years. He goes, how do you know that? I said, because I just know this is where I belong. I just knew it then. I just knew the Navy was for me. Um, and so um, once I completed boot camp, I went to a program called on-the-job training. And so I didn't have a particular job that I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So what you could do was they would put you in three different categories. One was either a seaman, an airman, or a fireman. And the firemen are the ones who worked down the engine room and stuff like that. I was a seaman, so I worked on the deck. I was a deckhand. Okay. I was a deckhand for about six months. Once I left um, training in San Diego, had a couple weeks off, and I got to go to the most hardest duty station you could ever go to, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. I mean, that, that, that's just the <laughs> hardest place to go, right? I mean, yeah. beautiful beaches, yep. mountains, the weather is perfect. I mean, hard duty, okay? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, um, and I was on my first ship, uh, the, USS, the USS Harold E. Holt, 10, uh, FF-1074. And um, uh, I arrived in Honolulu, or in Pearl Harbor, Honolulu, on October 6, 1977. Walked on my ship around one, around 1,300, and at 1,400, we were getting underway. And that wow. was my first day on the water. Yes. So how, how many, uh, how many, I think, I don't, they're not called really tours, they're, they're cruises, but how many... Um... How many of those? They're tours. Okay. How many tours? Uh, uh, deployments. Deployments. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we did. I did four deployments. I okay. Did, uh, four deployments. Yeah. I did uh, two on the Harold E. Holt, and I did two on the uh, USS Barber County LST 1195 out of San Diego. I did two tours, uh, two deployments with that ship. So you're throwing some numbers out there that the all the old Navy veterans in here know exactly what you're talking about. For the rest of us, like an LST, what sort of ship is that? So the LST is a ship. Um, they no longer um, build these ships anymore because of the technology and the advancements. It was a ship that uh, it's a, a landing tank ship, so it actually goes right up on the beach. 
and it has this long, but a almost long um, drawbridge that extends out, and all the vehicles and troops can walk right over onto the beach. And then the aft anchor pulls us off the beach because we have a semi-flat bottom, and it pulls us off, and we back out and we go and do what we need to do. But that's what the LST was. It, it, it took you right up on the, it took the ship right up on the beach. Gotcha. Um, something that you just don't naturally do with a ship, right? Right. So, right. Um, and then the the FF the FF the frigate that I was on was a fast frigate. Its sole purpose was it had a, a very large dome at the bow of the ship, uh, underneath the water that tracked submarines. And our job was to protect the aircraft carrier from any submarine attacks. And so if a missile was to be shot at the aircraft carrier, it was our job to take that hit or destroy that, that missile. And so that's what the uh, frigate was designed to do. Wow. And as of today, those ships are no longer around because they, 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 they've decomped every one of the fast frigates, even the newer ones they had built, um, that they've all been sold or, or, or you know, uh, decommed. Yeah, so, so they're mothballed, and is it because that the other there's so much other technology that can protect a carrier, right? That not yes, yes, it, right. There's other technology. They have a they have a different ship out now that does a different work, uh, and, and, and it's more versatile on, on on certain payloads and those kind of things, you know. And so that's the changes that come down. Yes. So let's talk about the military and how that has helped you in your career, because now that you're out of the military. I hear it over and over and over from people who have served that, you know, that discipline and that teamwork and that every man in there, you know, pulling together absolutely applies to the rest of your life, right? It does. And, and you know, I was fortunate enough that, you know, my mother instilled a lot of values in me as well before I even got to the military. So it was probably a little bit more for me to, to accept. But the military, you know, you have to be somewhere on time. You have to be ready to, to go to work. You have to be prepared. You have uh, attention to detail. When you do a job, you have to ensure that job is done correctly. You can't fool around and, and, and make a mistake because that mistake could cost someone's life. And so you're, you're taught that early on in boot camp, one reason for boot camp. You know, they tear you down, they build you back up and teach you about the very things that you have to do because in reminding you, which is something different that, you know, kind of we talk about in the civilian world where you know that whatever you do, it has to be done correctly and right. And so that, that no one gets hurt and that the equipment performs what you need it to perform. So I think that takes it out to the real world. You know, when I used to work out and, you know, work in my various jobs, you know, making sure that when my boss asked for a report or asked me to do something, I gave it precisely what he needed and I did it correctly. I double checked it, triple checked it to make sure those things were, were, were on the report that he needed. And that comes from that military, you know, people say it to me all the time. It's just the military, you know, and so, yes. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Now, right, by the way, thank you for your service. I think that's just, you know, incredible. And so thank you. Now, you're welcome. Post-Navy, you didn't get right into real estate, but somewhere and you, 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 you were recruiting at the time, so you, when you retired out of the Navy out of Tucson, you went into some other business first, but somewhere along the way, you got the real estate bug. How, how did that happen? Well, it actually goes back to my childhood because my mother was in real estate. My mother was a single mom raising two boys, and someone saw this ability for her to connect with people. And um, they paid for her to go to real estate school and she actually studied from home and put herself, you know, got herself all ready for the test and passed the test and became a real estate agent. 
And I remember the story she used to tell me, you know, she worked in an office at that day, in those days, uh, you know, the late, the early 70s, um, it, was, it, was a man, it was a man's world. Most men were in real estate. And when you worked in an office, you had more men than there were women. And she was the only woman in an all-male office. And so she uh, learned how to uh, do business and, you know, and make, it, make things happen for herself. So she was very, very successful. As I got older and I had went into the Navy and I, you know, and I've always had friends that were in real estate. I always thought that real estate would be, you know, something that I'd want to do later on in my life. But it was finding the right timing, the right timing for it. And I believe everything we do in life is about timing, you know. Um, and 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 it, it comes to you at the right time. And it did for me back in 2006. I made the decision uh, before that, you know, to go to school uh, to Hogan and then to get into real estate. And my reason for getting into real estate was a lot different than other real estate agents that were already in the business. I didn't get into it to, to uh, become rich. I actually really got into it, this is gonna sound kind of corny, but to really take care and make things happen for my client. I, wanted, I had a passion for helping people really achieve that dream of home ownership. And so that was my basis for wanting to be in real estate and wanting to be good at what I did. And that's what, why I'm here today. I don't think that's corny at all. I think that's awesome. So <laughs> let's, yeah, don't worry about how that sounds. That's great. Let me, you've been with Coldwell Banker your entire career from 2006 till today, correct? I have been. I will, let me just admit this. I did, there was a four month uh, period where I did leave Coldwell Banker and went to another company and you know, I said four months because I learned, I, I knew in the first 30 days that I made a big mistake and I <laughs> wanted to go back to Coldwell Banker. Um, I didn't know how to go back to Coldwell Banker, so the broker came after me. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I've been with Coldwell Banker for the 10 years, except for that little four-month period. I, this is where I've been. So tell me why, uh, why you like you know, Coldwell Banker so much. Well, I almost didn't come to Coldwell Banker. I didn't think that I could measure up. You know, when I looked at the, when I got the tour of the office and saw the agent, you know, and the people that were here, I didn't think that I measured up. I, I didn't think I had enough skill sets and, and enough uh, knowledge, you know, about uh, being a real estate agent and being with these successful people. But my wife told me that, you know what, you put your pants on like they do. You need to. You need to take in uh, and get down there and work in that office. You can do it just like they do. And so I came here, and what I found was, was so much camaraderie, and there were so many nice people here. And the company is always trying to um, um, move mountains and show you how to do the business right. And they were ethical, and they had integrity. And that was so important to me, especially being, coming from the military. I mean, those are the things that I look for. And so that's how I came to be and how I've stayed here at Coal Bankers because of who they are as a company, as a whole, nationwide, worldwide. Right. And your journey at Coal Banker has taken you into, the, you're now part of the management team, right? I am. I am. Um, so I, how, did that, how did that play out? I have been, look, I've been in management for more than, more than 25 years. I've managed big box stores. I've managed small box stores. I've managed uh, loading docks. I've always been in some type of leadership or management position. And, um, you know, I tried to hide out. You know, I tried to go somewhere and not, not become a manager. I tried just to be a, a, an associate, a sales associate. And what would happen is I would get, you know, people would come to me and I'd give advice and I'd tell them how to do this or do that, and here I am. So the same thing happened in real estate. 
within about four years before I knew it, I was helping people do things. I was, you know, um, um, going up and beyond what my normal duties were as an associate. And so I thought, you know what, I'd like to be able to become a branch manager someday. And that's how I'm, you know, here in this part right now as in the management is hoping one day I'll become a branch manager and learning how to be a branch manager. Tell me, tell me a little bit about how the Tucson market's doing. And, and, and I, I don't, we've had a couple of people on from the Tucson area before, but I love getting, you know, your description of the area because boy, it is not Phoenix. <laughs> it is this distinct groups of these little geographical areas, right? You know, you got the green Valley, but then there's the Oro Valley. Then you got up by the mountains and talk a little bit about that, that area. And then I'd love to get a little report on how the market's doing there. Yeah. Tucson has, you know, Tucson is, it has these little, like you said, these little, little communities, uh, Oro Valley, Marana, Red Rock, you know, you talk about, you talk to you know, you mentioned Green Valley, Sarita, Sarita, you have the Vale uh, area, which is to the, uh, to the, um, to the east, the far east of, uh, of Tucson, kind of heading toward Benson and Sierra Vista. That's the Vale area there. And then you have your the, the, the south side um, of, of Tucson, as well as your west side. We call the west side uh, kind of the foothills of the west, because you've got some really nice areas over there. And then, uh, of course, you have your central part of Tucson, which is kind of older, uh, more quaint. There's the U of A, uh, the University of Arizona. Then you have those older homes that, are, you know, that have been there for, for years and years and years. And so that's kind of a... You know, this, this, uh, it's kind of like the old, how can I say it, uh, describe it as a little happy town that has grown since I've been here, right? I watched this whole town grow, and it really, but it still has that hometown feel to some degree. And so um, as, far as, as far as the market, you know, we just got our uh, new uh, market, our new report for, um, for the end of December, and um, wow, we... Things have kind of slowed down, uh, which is not to be unexpected because this is the uh, time of the year, you know, November, December um, is where, you know, it becomes a little colder, things slow down, uh, you have your um, snowbirds who come into town, it's holidays, you know, people don't tend not to, you know, do much real estate. But um, um, with that said, we still have a strong market, and the market is is continually to is continually to show uh, strong signs of strong signs of growth um, um, in the in the um, number of homes that are being sold. Our issue right now is inventory. We are we are down to 3,700 properties on the market right now. Wow, and that's less that's less than two and a half months of inventory. What's your normal? What's your yeah, what's your normal number? You know, average. Somewhere about six thousand would be okay. a normal number that would be good for the area. Right. So um, I can say, you know, just the other day I have an agent in my office who put a house on the market. He had six showings. He's had three offers. You know, and so it, just in a matter of a day. And this is and this is that's just one of many stories of people um, that are you know out there trying to buy. And that's really for properties basically under three hundred thousand. Those houses are going moving pretty quickly. Right. Um, I'm telling, I'm hearing that there's a shortage of inventory in the Oro Valley market, and Marana there's a shortage of inventory. Um, so it's you know, and it's, and it's affecting it's affecting the ability to to um, to purchase homes. The other thing that is happening is new construction is really starting to show great signs because you don't have enough resale 
people go buy go buy new construction because that that's there and it's new and and it affords uh, it affords the 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 new home buyer you know energy efficient homes um, and certain things that you don't get in, in the older home. So um, that start that, like I said earlier, that's showing a great signs of, of growth as well in the new construction. Nice. You know, Eric, like many guests on the podcast, uh, you are a volunteer. You just finished your term as president of the Tucson Association of Realtors, right? You're the yes. immediate past president. And there is so much right. extra work and stuff you've got to do. You've been on their executive committee for at least four years, and you're probably on there again this year. <laughs> so right. Can right. you talk about you know, the importance of volunteerism as realtors and why it's worth all that effort that you go through? Well, I can tell you that I didn't really understand being a volunteer until I got into real estate. And when I got into real estate in 2006, 2007, I put myself on a, I got my, I got myself on a committee. And and the reason I got involved on a committee because I figured there was another avenue of learning and gaining understanding what real estate was about. And so um um, I also saw it as an opportunity to be able to give back to those who don't volunteer or that, that need the information. It's nothing, it's, nothing, it's nothing more exciting than when someone, you hear someone talking and you think they know everything and then you explain to them, no, this is how it really goes. And they, they sit up and listen and find out that you have more information to give to them. And so I think it's important for our industry that we, we volunteer away and give back to our fellow realtors, as well as to homeowners, and 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 uh, um, showing how we can be a stronger community together. And so, I truly, truly believe in in this in this volunteerism, um, and and um, and I I'm always asking others to get involved. If it's just being on one committee, I say, go go get on a committee, go hang out, go go hang out with another realtor you don't even know, and you'll learn something. And that's how I promote that. Right. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it it, it it's that win-win of all win-wins. I mean, you get to learn and you get to help at the same time. I mean, right. it makes perfect sense, right? Right. But you, you help recruit and, you know, educate and train agents, you know, at your brokerage. Um, tell me if I had to ask you for like, what, what area of training are you the most passionate about? What would it be? Our tools, our, our, our array of, 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 of tools that we have. Uh, we have a smorgasbord of tools. I mean, we have more tools than, than most companies do, and the, and the thing with the tools is there's so many of them that I tell my agents, you're not going to use all of them. What I explain to them is, is that you've got to find the tools that work best for your business because, uh, because your business is not, the, it's not the same business as the person sitting next to you. And so I'm, I, I get really excited about showing them how the tools can work for them and make things simpler in, their, in, in the way they can conduct business and how things can happen automatically, you know, uh, on the automations and things like that. So it's about the tools. I really find that the tools, if I could get my agents to use one or maybe two of the tools that we have available, they, they really find themselves being productive. Yeah, you got to really avoid that fire hose of knowledge and information sometimes, huh? And just kind of right. pick and right. choose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you've you've been in the business now 10, 10 solid years. If you had a crystal ball, what does it look like for Eric? Say, let's go five or ten years out. What are you doing in the biz? What am I doing in the biz? I'm uh, probably semi running an office, probably close to being you know having my own office someday. 
I see myself that. Um, I see myself uh, really uh, stepping up in my volunteer work. Um, I might, you know, I, I see myself moving up the ladder in leadership at the state level um, and, and being more involved there as well as being involved at the NAR level. Um, so I, that's where I see my, I totally see myself and, and probably doing a lot more traveling, getting out and, and promoting the, the NAR, the AAR brand in real estate. I think that's a great idea. Uh, you're, you're a great spokesman for, for what's going on in the state of Arizona and the country. So, yeah, that, I think that'd be awesome. Um, so I know you're super busy today, and I really appreciate your time. So we're at the half-hour mark roughly where I'd asked you. So I'm going to wrap it up here and give you that final question I've given every guest on the podcast, and that is, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent, what would it be? Boy. I can give so much advice. <laughs> the one, it, it, you know what it is, is to ask yourself why are you doing this business? Why are you doing this business? You have to know the why. Um, as you know, that was my platform. I don't know if you know this or not, but that was my platform when I was the president. Let's start with why. Um, and I give, if I can take a few minutes to kind of just tell you a little bit, you know, that's what made uh, Apple very, very uh, uh, a huge and profitable company is they they started out with the why why they were doing this why they were doing this product this way and I think that if we as agents start asking ourselves why are we doing this we can answer the what and the where um, and, and what else you need to do in order to keep this going because this business can be tough and it takes a lot of work you can't you don't become successful overnight and so when you get to that point where um, you, you you think that this is just not working? You gotta be you have to be able to reach back in and say, why am I doing this? Why am I being? A, why am I a real estate agent? So that's my advice. You know, it's the same advice that I give to my children. You know, you have to understand why you're doing something before you can get out there and just do it. That's great, uh, Eric. If somebody listening to this episode wants to reach out and, and connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? They can email me um, at Eric. E-R-I-C at dot Gibbs, G-I-B-B-S, at A-Z, moves, M-O-V-E-S, dot com. Eric, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your busy afternoon to, to, to share your story. I really appreciate it. Uh, you, I, you know I'm in Florida now. I'm actually staring out at the view from the eighth floor of an apartment building while we record this. But I, I can't wait to get back to the desert, and I mean that. So, uh, and I hopefully I'll see you potentially up at the convention in Prescott this year. Yes, I will be there, and I look forward to seeing you. And Bill, thank you so much for reaching out to me, and and uh, enjoy Florida, enjoy your time there, and uh, again, thank you for all you do, and thank you for your support of our community and our industry as well, too, Bill. I wanted to pass that on to you. Thanks a lot, Eric. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.